Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. All right, welcome to our podcast where we cover business in the news and add our legal twist. My name is Nasser Pasha, and with us we have our Star Trek expert, Matt Staub. Oh, no. <laughs> well, we, we talked about Star Wars a couple, well, that was in December, right? Or no, maybe January. The, the last thing you want to do is basically say Star Wars and Star Trek are the same thing, but go ahead, please go ahead. I know, I, I almost <laughs> didn't because I know it was going to be bad. But yeah, we so we, I, I only brought it up because of this. We talked about Star Wars a month or two ago, whenever the movie came out. And I knew some, but Star Trek, I know even less, very actually very little at all. So I'm not the expert by any means, but luckily we found somebody who is a, a Star Trek expert, and this is Michael Liberto. Hey, how are you doing? Thanks for joining us. Just so everyone knows, he is our, our resident Star Trek expert for all our Star Trek episodes that we've had and and we'll have going forward, which I'm sure will be a ton. But but thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So so Matt, what, what's why do we have him on? What, what are we talking about here? Yeah. So there is a, and and Michael's going to chime in on a, a lot of this. But let me let me give the the premise as I understand it. There was a group of fans that actually started a Kickstarter, raised some funds to produce this fan movie, essentially about Star Trek called Axanar. And I think at this point, they've only produced the kind of the prelude of it, not the full length picture that they ultimately want to end up doing. And, you know, to be honest, I looked at it. It's actually pretty good quality. It looked very professional, in my opinion. But they've put out this prelude to it. And now CBS and I can't remember who else. Paramount. Yeah. We'll fill in the blanks for you. (laughs) You know, basically, they're saying, look, this is just straight up copyright infringement. There's a lot of issues with this. You can't be doing this, blah, blah, blah. But in order for us to explain kind of the legal side of things, we need to understand the the factual side of things. So that's why we were hoping, Michael, that you'd be able to fill us in on some of these holes that we can't really help with. So my first question is, and maybe this is a stupid question is, so what is Axanar? Well, Axanar is a planet that's part of the Federation. It's nearby Vulcan and Andoria and a bunch of other uh, Federation planets. But more importantly would be kind of prelude to Axanar. You had mentioned that before. There's this brilliant piece done, and seriously, the quality of this is, is exceptional. But it's a pretty long story. Axanar is basically a planet where the Federation Admiral Ramirez, is the gentleman's name, is making the Constitution-class vessel, which we know to be the original Enterprise. I've heard of that. Yes, which is the second of their kind of warship models, because the Federation didn't have any warships until four years' war with the Klingons, and Axanar is where it is being produced. And in Prelude to Axanar, we can see in this documentary feature the Supreme Warlord sending their brand-new D-7 battle cruiser to Axanar to wipe out the Federation's ability to fight this war. And Prelude to Axanar is the beginning of this uh, huge battle that's going to decide the Four Years' War. Everything you're describing is, it's completely new stuff, right? This isn't something that Paramount or some of their Star Trek writers came up with. This is a, this is a spinoff, right? Well, it is a spinoff, but there are, there are a couple of caveats. First of all, Garth of Ezar is mentioned in a couple of uh, original series. Well, actually, in one original series show, and he is the role model of Captain Kirk. 
also Ambassador Soval is uh, played by the actor named Gary Graham, and he is in the uh, Enterprise show that was only showed for four seasons that I believe went off in 2005. And then you have another character, General Chang, from Undiscovered Country, who is supposedly going to be in this this film, Axanar. Axanar is actually, from what I remember, it's going to be, they got so much money, they're going to make it into four parts. Wow. They raised over $1 million, is that right? Yeah, about $1 million, and I think they're doing about 260000 per, you know, part. That's that's a modest budget, I think. And so, by the way, Matt, you 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 took you took notes on that, right? I'm testing you later. Yeah, I'm trying to write things down. Yeah. Okay. So, but this is obviously interesting. I mean, I I can see if you're a Star Trek fan, it's interesting. But but what are the fans saying? I mean, it is understandable, right? That you have someone that owns this brand, Star Trek. They make money off of it. And if you have this other group of people that they, you know, they, they have their own story, they want to have fun with it, that's fine. But it, if they start actually making money off of it, it seems like, you know, they should have some legal protections there, don't you think? Well, as far as the fans are concerned, there's a bit of a split, honestly. Myself, I'm, I'm kind of there too. The new production movies of Star Trek are, are polarizing. And the complaint really is they don't necessarily capture the Star Trek spirit that we're used to with the original series with Next Generation. I mean, they're fantastic films, but it, it's it's much more action, less story, less character development. And the outpouring for Prelude Axonar is just immense because you have these monoliths of science fiction in the show, like J.G. Uh, Metzler, who is a great character actor, Gary Grant, who was in, in Enterprise, yeah, the gentleman from Battlefield Galactica, uh, Richard Hatch, he's in it as well. And they like the story that they provide. Tony Totten's as well. He was a great character actor in every major production of, of Star Trek. Okay. Well, if I may interrupt you, Mike, I, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, it seems like the fans want these kind of spinoffs, and I can see that. But the question is, should these spinoffs, you know, make money off of brands and, and stories and characters where these other production companies have spent million dollars to produce? I think most of the fans believe if they uh, they stick to the, the spirit of Star Trek, they're not really too concerned about uh, what action our productions would make. I mean, it was a Kickstarter, and they they asked people for the money. They didn't go out and try to sell something. They're not making any money off of it. So that's interesting. I didn't I didn't realize are they got money to produce it, but they don't plan on making a profit, or they're probably trying to break even. Is that right? Well, yeah, they're trying to break even, uh, but uh, from what I understand, they, they've got a fair bit of money left over, because they, you know, of course, got that $1.1 million and they got a couple hundred thousand to do whatever with, which is one of the problems, what you can do with that money, and one of the arguments, I believe, the plaintiff is making. But this isn't unheard of. There have been other productions before, and CBS and Paramount, that's a really good cooperation, but they will say to these, these fan-made series, hey, do us a favor, don't make any money. Just don't make money. And they let it, they let it be for the most part. It's, they did it for a couple of fan-made films of Gods and Men. Uh, there's a decent series called Phase 2, and then there's a series called Renegades. And they just tell these people, these, these uh, production companies, or I don't know if it's really right to call them that, it's all just to not make money. 
it's kind of how how they feel about that. But uh, the fans would love to see more. That, that's interesting because you're you're basically describing a history of non enforcement, actually, from the part of the production company. If they don't make money, and here you said even you know they raised some money, they haven't necessarily made the money yet. Pretty interesting. Matt, do you have any other questions? I, I'm trying to go over my notes on all these characters still. <laughs> Michael brought up a good point about this, the previous runs. And I, the executive producer on this even, I guess, had met previously of CBS. And they said exactly what Michael just said. You're, you're fine as long as you should be fine as long as you don't make money. So, I mean, Michael, I assume you've seen some of the, the previous fan films. I mean, is this are they concerned just because this one is much greater quality or a much better idea than, than some of the previous ones? Yeah, well, in, in the statement basically says they have a substantial budget and they can really make a, a film worthy of calling Star Trek. It's never been a, a big deal before. You see uh, book companies that allow for fan fiction to be produced. I mean, Fifty Shades of Grey was this massive fan fiction that became this, this, this book and this movie, and it, it took over the fans of this universe, and, and beforehand, the production value of these shows was, was, was minimal. They were strictly for fans, and uh, there were story and uh, character development, but the problem is, is that Axonar is really good, the prelude is, and they've shown that they can make a, a, a quality movie, and it, it honestly feels to me that CBS and Paramount are coming in and, and just saying, hey, uh, they're doing this, and the reason why is because they don't want it to interrupt with Star Trek Beyond or their new TV series they're going to have in 2017. Let me just ask you one question. The defendants, or Axnar, they, the owners of them, they describe their short film, it's called A Prelude to Axnar. You, have you got a chance to watch that? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's excellent. They describe it as a mockumentary. What do you think about that description? Well, it is, I guess, uh, a mockumentary if you want to specifically get into the uh, legal art argument of fair rights. And that's where I'm getting at. I'm just, I'm just curious what you, what you think about that title or that adjective. There have been mockumentaries of Star Trek. But would you consider this movie a mockumentary? I'm putting you on the spot. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, would like to, I would honestly like to consider it as canon. Okay. It's very well made. It's an excellent story for the Star Trek fans. We have the Romulan War in, in, in books that we can just, you know, read about and discover and, and live through. And there hasn't really been the discussion of the Klingon War, which is what this is. Yeah. When I call it a mockumentary, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's uh, to each their own. But Michael, I appreciate you uh, kind of giving us some facts background. I think I, I think I got it. Yeah, it's definitely helpful. <laughs> but thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right, we're beamed back in. That's a Star Trek pun, somehow. Or no, we beamed Michael out. That's what I should have said. Dang it. I was going to say something. I was going to embarrass myself. So (laughs) So you let me do it. Well, I was so hesitant with that Star Wars Star Trek thing. And I knew, uh, I was like, I probably shouldn't say this. You might get offended. So hopefully (laughs) hopefully I didn't offend him. That wasn't the intention. Uh, Well, I pushed him a little at the end because, okay, so here's the deal. This is what the issue is. Michael seemed to know a little bit about this already, but. Yeah. Okay, so if, if it's copyright infringement, First, are you infringing on the copyright? And I think I think it's pretty clear. Okay, you have Star Trek that they developed, and they're using the same characters, same kind of you know plot lines or or continuing plot lines and things like that. So it's it's hard for them to argue that it's not infringing. The question is, is there an exception such as fair use? 
That's why I found it interesting in basically in the defendant's response, they call themselves a mockumentary or at least one of their films. And what do you think about that? Obviously, you know what they're trying to do, Matt. Yeah, exactly. And so, well, <laughs> I'll preface it by saying, I don't know if I can even answer this. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I've, I probably have seen a Star Trek movie a long time ago, but I don't really remember any. Let me compare it, I guess. You watch something and then you watch South Park make fun of it. I mean, that's pretty obvious. Yeah, classic parody. To me, this, and I could be wrong on this, to me, this seemed like something that fans wanted to fill a hole in the story or like, you know, just have another part of the story told. And so they produced this film. And so it's complimentary or, or just part of the long storyline. And there is a lot of gray area when it comes to what exactly is a parody and fair use in the sense that what may be comical and, and being shown in a parody fashion from one person may be different from the other. And there's been different tests that courts have applied, and we can kind of dive into that. But there's definitely some some interesting kind of conversation going on here because most people, when they think parody, they think, like you said, South Park, SNL. But at the same time, like there's there seems to be more of a clear distinction. Here, I don't think it's a distinction enough. I, like you said, I think it seems like this is just a group of people that I think innocently they just want to produce more content on Star Trek, but they're using Star Trek copyright and trademarks and they they want to use it for themselves for other reasons, which again, innocently, it's there's nothing wrong with it, but the copyright holder or the trademark holder has a problem with that. And and so, you know, what are you gonna do? They they have the rights. But interesting enough, I mean, it's not as simple as that, of course, because I think what's illustrated in, in Axnar's or the defendant's kind of response is, number one, okay, they call themselves a mockumentary, so we're in the realm of fair use. But second is all these copyrights that they claim to own, which copyrights do exactly do they own? I mean, the, the plaintiffs, Paramount and CBS, they claim to basically own all the episodes and all the characters, but yeah. that's hard to claim too. And so one of the responses was basically, okay, well, prove that, you know, which, which copyrights do you actually own and then be specific and, and let's see if I, we are actually infringing on this. Yeah. And that's why I kind of hesitated at the beginning when I mentioned CBS and Paramount, et cetera, was just, that's one of the claims that's involved in this is they're the plaintiff stance is we own everything. Or I think they even said thousands of copyrights or something to that effect. And one of the defendant's responses is, well, tell us which ones. You can't just say you own everything. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff has shifted around so much that, you know, <laughs> there's just not, no way. That's right. So, I mean, that's that's a, an argument, I guess. I mean, they do need to be more specific with it. And I think if anyone's interested in the actual the legal requirements and sufficiency of stating these claims, it's it's laid out in this motion. I'm just wondering, like, I kind of want to see it, but like, I'm going to have no idea what's going on. If you watch the Star Trek movie, even if you're not a Star Trek fan, you can walk in there and go, okay, this is a movie that has a plot line that I can understand. But I feel like it's just going to be kind of, you have to know what's going on. It's a little intimidating. Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to, well, if it gets to the point where a judge or, or jury has to decide, I mean, I, <laughs> you have to make them watch it, right? <laughs> I just don't get how they would even know. I mean, they need a Michael. Yeah. You bring a Michael in and, and he starts talking about Klingon wars and <laughs> some of the jurors, no offense to anyone, but they may start, you know, falling asleep. But, you know, some of the, some of them may be interested. Well, that's the thing is, you know, you're having to have to distinguish. That's a lot to take in. 
you know, in a short period of time to, to learn all that and understand <laughs> it. So I just... We should talk about the fact that there was some complacency when it came to others that were doing this. I mean, there were even other Star Trek former writers that were involved with this, these other kind of spinoffs and fan fiction. Always low budget, always kind of like they weren't selling anything and kind of just doing it for fun. But it's a, it's that 1.1 million that they raised that I think is the issue. It's like, okay, well, look, we have to draw the line somewhere because even if it's not for profit, right, that 1.1 million goes to some somebody, right? It goes to production and people, someone's making money off of this film. It may not be the producer, but it could be the actors. It could be the film editors and so forth. And so there's some economy going on that CBS and Paramount are missing out on, you know? Yeah, I, I see it as this. So let's say I own a, a juice or a beverage store restaurant. And, you know, one day I show up to my business and there's a person across the street selling lemonade at a little stand i'm like well they really they're really gonna make any money probably not it's not a big deal so yeah like, you know but then i i show up a couple months later a couple years later and <laughs> someone has a 50 person operation they're <laughs> producing tons of lemonade and a whole assortment of other juices well i mean i guess that's a bad example because that's technically probably fair competition but <laughs> Let's just say for some reason it was. But they're using, but they're using your mark somehow. Let's say they're using yeah, your logo. Yeah. 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 Exactly. They uh, like they put Jamba Juice on there and they're selling lemonade. Yeah. That it's yeah. like that they grow it up to like they're selling all these different juices. Jamba Juice is going to start carrying. Exactly. Good analogy, Matt. There we go. I had to correct it a little yeah. bit, but uh, it worked out. I, I should just say you finished it, but I was on the right track <laughs> on uh, my, my hypothetical. Uh, I, I like the the only pun that you had to use was like using the actual Star Trek name within the pun, but that's okay. <laughs> Mine was much more advanced, even though I messed it up too. Yeah. Anyway, that's our Star Trek episode. Almost a month or so after our Star Wars episode, or a couple months maybe, or so. Came out in December. Yeah. But thanks for joining us. Yep. Keep it sound, keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.